0: Today, we are fortunate to have another session with Norman Reese. Norm was longtime uh, president of the company and worked at Story & Thompson for 45 years. Norm uh, is widely thought of as the author and chief architect of many of our internal systems. For the most part, our job cost systems and our estimating systems and then ultimately some of our project delivery and design build and construction management. So the goal for today is to really uh, tap into the recesses of Norm's memory to have him tell us stories about how it started when he started with the company and where it got to by the time he left. Uh, Decidedly for an internal audience, but anybody who's been around the industry for any length of time can likely relate to some of the uh, transitions that uh, hopefully Norm will refer to. So without any further ado, Norman Reese. Uh, I I was meeting with somebody last night, and I I think this is a really uh, good way to start this conversation. Uh, In the last 30 years since you were with the company, many of our systems have evolved but we have not had a revolution. So in other words, uh, the estimating systems, the job cost systems, the I'll say the timekeeping systems, sort of all those things that we used to do, we still do, and we've improved them, and we've modified them, and we've computerized them, but we haven't overhauled them. We haven't just thrown deep and said, let's throw this thing away and start over. And so you uh, uh, are credited or blamed for having created many of them, or may- maybe you inherited them as well. So uh, so this, this segment will be really interesting, I think, for me and for people inside the company to, to know what that looked like when you started and how how things got to the point when you left and, and where we've come from here. So maybe start back to, again, when you started with the company and I know you started as a timekeeper and then eventually came into the office, but how, how did things work then? and And how did they change and develop through your time at the company?
1: In these four decades, basically from 1960 to 2000, when I retired, We went through four decades, each marked by certain things that probably were more external than anything we could control. A lot of it was in response to the kind of jobs, the kind of funding that was available. Then of course, the big thing was the going from Thompson to story, which took eight years and was a transition that uh, also dictated a lot of what, what Happened, sure. Mostly in the field. The, the office stayed pretty much the same, but uh, uh, that, those were big field changes. So the first the first decade was nineteen started in nineteen sixty. That's about when I got out of college, had worked part time, and at that time, Thompson's had um, they had an estimator. Uh, his name was Ormsby, and things didn't work out, so they. He and Ted parted ways and had left the estimating department with only Russell Thompson. Then they hired an older fellow, can't remember his name, Um, very disorganized, but had a lot of experience and he secured one job for him, which made a lot of money, was the classroom office building on campus. Back then it was a big job for for Thompson, but um, nevertheless, uh, it became a a job that made them some money, which they needed badly because they had to have some other losers. That's about time I came in. As a matter of fact, I was timekeeper on the classroom building while I was going to college. He didn't last either because he just he was he was just an older fellow that was frail and uh, and his judgment wasn't always that good. So. They had brought in Dean Porath at that time, and the thing that struck me when I was timekeeper was how little they had in terms of records of what things cost. And so that sort of became my um, my goal to expand on that. We did this all manually. Back then we hardly had even adding machines. I remember we had one of these machines you'd have to plug in the Sure. The numbers and then you go like this and they recorded. Uh, Very, very. And then we have slide rules still use slide rules back then. So we we had very little in the way of uh, kind of equipment that later came to be used. And you expanded that in the last 20 years, last 40 years. So everything was manual, everything was pencil.
0: And paper. Let me ask about uh, the yeah. classroom building uh, and your role as timekeeper. So, for for some sense, do you remember how how big that job was, either square footage or dollar value? Or
1: I think it was a million dollar job. Okay, um, it was a concrete frame with masonry, and and you know, concrete was um, was a specialty. Which was apparent uh, with, with Thompson. They, they were they were good. They were good concrete contractors. They did their own. I mean, self-performed. Um, Cliff Rogers was the superintendent on the classroom office building.
0: And so, if you and, re- um, if you recall that, then um, how many how many time codes were approximately uh, for that? It was how many time codes were on that job? Do you suppose?
1: I'm going to say somewhere between 100 and 250. Okay. But yeah, and it was it, it was all we had we had these big pads with lines this way and that way. And we had de- developed a system um pretty much along the 16 divisions. Um so carpentry would be C Y. And so you'd have CY1, CY2. That came right off the estimate. Okay. And because the estimate was done also manually on large uh, yellow pads, or column were they 12, 12 column pads? Sure. And you used a lot of pencil. You used a lot of erasers. Mm-hmm. And you often had to do stuff over. You'd lose it, or you'd um, you'd uh, you'd get so worn from erasing that you'd have to. To start a new sheet, so there was a lot of repetitive work that now you don't have anymore. I mean, if, if we'd had if we'd had spreadsheets back then like you do now, it would have been it would have been a dream. It would have been very easy. Masonry would be M. Um, uh, then we had an L for labor. Um, so we had we had codes that had used the alphabet and used the numbers got it and you would transfer from a single sheet to um, a a summary sheet in the office one of the things that always bothered me was how it was perceived by the workers Uh, my guess is that cliff rogers probably knew that me coming around every two or three hours i would be on campus so i'd go over and i'd walk the site and note what everybody was doing. But one of the things that bothered me always was, what are the workmen thinking when you're checking up on them? I think they knew that it helped for for the company to know, for the office to know, so they could be competitive on other projects. Sure. That's, that was the explanation. We need this information so that we know our production rates, make it possible for us to do an accurate estimate and bid a job and get the job. And that meant work for you.
0: So on on that point, and with that approach, uh, do you think Thompson was early in the adoption of that process or about in in the mainstream of when contractors were, or were we late adopters to capture this information from sites?
1: Well, they had gone on for 20 years before I started. I don't know how they did it. Russell was doing most of the estimating. And like I say, he didn't have uh, necessarily any estimators per se. They hired this Ormsby, but then they let him go. And I don't know how successful he was. But what struck me was that they never really knew, they were guessing what things cost. Now, after having had the experience of watching a company do a whole bunch of different work, yeah, you can, you could probably guess, or you can predict what something should cost, but you really don't have the backup to, to say for sure. It's this much per unit. So they were, they were lacking that.
0: Uh, I realize you were not in the office when that classroom building was estimated, but, uh, and, and I'll want to get to some of your experiences, but, uh, How long do you suppose it took to estimate that and how many sheets, uh, how many takeoff sheets were part of that estimate? Probably,
1: I mean, you know, these columnar sheets. Yes. Um, 12 columns, 16 columns, very small print. They probably had, I'm going to say six, seven sheets. That's the estimate what became apparent to me keeping track of labor um, spent on the job was that they had made a mistake in the estimate to the positive How they got the job being that high or having <laughs> having that much money left over was what amazed me sure so it wasn't accurate it was a, it was a it was a flawed estimate where they just happened to get the job because the competition probably made the same mistake. So this this older fellow got credit for the job um making money, a lot of money, but he still didn't keep his job because they didn't recognize that he had aired. I mean you can err on the to the to the positive. Right. So that It it proved to me that we need to know more accurately whether on the positive or negative side, we don't wanna lose money. And the only reason we we want that information is that we wanna be competitive on the next job. And so I would say for that first 10 years, that's what we worked on is to get as much information on as many uh, job activities as we could so that we knew that this particular kind of concrete work costs this much to pour, this much to form, this much to rub, this much to finish. And so we we, we just expanded on the the number of uh, activities. We hear about Amazon, how they uh, monitor their workers and how they reward or fire them based on uh, how fast they can move. Mm. that's not the point, right? You want you want this steady work, um, approach to work where they do a quality job and they do it as efficiently as possible. Then there's a whole bunch of other factors that enter into that. What kind of tools do they have? What kind of equipment do they have?
0: So when, uh, so for that first decade, you collected and sorted and assembled a lot of information. How did you, uh, and that, that was prior to spreadsheets prior to computers. So how did you, how did you, uh, keep it and then how did you know which information to pull from which locations to apply to the next job you were going to pursue? There was all
1: in a three ring binder and it was alphabetized and it was again, carpentry, masonry. Labor, um, and you can, you can go through the sixteen divisions, and we didn't keep track of mechanical electrical, of course, and we didn't do. We did do a lot of self performing, uh, like we used to probably do a third of the job, and when I quit in two thousand, I think it was down to ten percent. Sure, and um, we're, we're relying more on subcontractors, which then becomes another effort that um, a contractor has to have good subcontractor relations. And I know you guys do. Uh, continue so when,
0: to... when you say carpentry and you say masonry and then you say labor, so carpentry and masonry, is that were you recording material? Or were you recording labor against those trades? And then a labor code was maybe just more general labor or something. Uh,
1: well, it's hard to say. Okay. Like, for, for instance, masonry, we would, you would have face break, you'd have concrete block, uh, you'd have petitions, you'd have veneers, you'd have... Every time you would encounter a new product, you'd make a new code for that. And then you'd keep track of it. Got it. Um, the labor, per se, was often just assisting carpenters, assisting masons, Iron workers. but we did we did build a record of a lot of activities, and then we would use those to um, estimate, obviously, and bid.
0: All right, so that that gets us to this to, from sixty to seventy. So that decade was about recording time, uh, assembling data to begin to apply, so and I, I like your approach of breaking it into the decades. So what does the decade from the 70s to the 80s look like?
1: Well, let me go back to the first decade, the 60 to 70. We did a lot of student housing. Either the need for student housing or the, the fact that we were in a college town dictated that we did that kind of work. And so we did the four towers out in South Ames, mm-hmm. we did the Three Towers, they call them the Women's storms. We did a whole bunch of remodel at Helser and Friley. So that was an interesting period. And it also meant that we would do a lot of concrete work because these were all concrete frames, right. precast. So it introduced us to that work because that's what was available. And to Woody's he really figured out how to, manage the formwork part of that operation, which became uh, our strength. Then something happened. A lot of work became available because of the EPA starting spending money on treatment plants, and that's became then our focus in the 70s. A whole different kind of work, circular tanks, big labs, equipment, piping, the and, and about the same time that happened, we began to use an outside computer company, CPMI, which was connected with Pioneer Hybrid. Hmm. Pioneer Hybrid uh, owned CPMI, Cost Planning and Management, the one that our friends um, worked for. And so we transitioned for doing, from doing building work to doing... The, the treatment plant work,
0: and you didn't have any cost history on that, so you needed to uh, predict on your first view and then collect data.
1: Yeah. So the first the first job, you can ask yourself, what's the what what should be the difference in form cost between circular tanks and square or rectangular tanks? We knew what rectang what rectangular tanks cost per square foot to form, but we didn't know what circular, so we overestimated. And found out that by God, we could be more competitive on the next job because mm-hmm. circular forming is not any harder than rectangular forming. If anything, it it's it's more predictable. So we learned a lot. But I, I would credit Woody with um, having a a talent that no one else had to manage the the concrete work, and so that became our forte. We just kept track of it and applied what we learned to bidding new work. And back then we weren't doing a lot of private work, obviously we do an occasional church or maybe a fraternity or something on a negotiated basis. We knew that private work would be more attractive, maybe fewer headaches, but uh, we had to do a lot of bid work to get the work we needed.
0: Right. So tell me more about CPMI or what did they do that, uh, how did they complement the story effort to secure, to, to estimate work?
1: We, um, became very close knit with them. Um, they, they were, uh, they were more than a partner. I, I would say they were, they, they were kind of joined at the hip. They knew our operation and our, what we wanted to do inside out. Uh, we trusted them. They performed. We started out with, with these, uh, punch cards, reams of punch cards. I mean, how, how that whole thing is It's now when we look back, it's, it's amazing. And then when you think about what we have now, but anyway, it was a lot of punch cards and there was a lot of reams and reams of printed out paper. I don't know that I ever understood what they did other than looking at the, we gave them input and we got the results. That I understood, but uh, how they got to uh, those reams of paper, I don't know. Mm. That, was, that was amazing.
0: So would you, would you do the quantities and then they would apply the unit prices to the quantities and that would create the output? Or did they do the uh, quantities and and you did the pricing? Or did uh, did they do it all based on what you gave them?
1: We would prove, uh, the, the first thing they did helped us with was labor cost. So we, you can say we got it digitized, and, and we, we got the results. And it was basically it was here's, here's the estimate and here's the results, and you can compare the two. The um, the estimating uh, we, I'm not sure they helped. To, they did they did that for us. The bidding, or the putting a bit together, I think that was still done manually, and then we gradually shifted. Uh, Rod Peterson. Was instrumental probably in uh, developing that, and then later on we got into uh, estimating systems that apparently were available. Timberline, I don't know what
0: you use now. Still Timberline. Still Timberline, yeah. All right, so let's let's keep it in the '70s, uh, it, and what the, what did bid day look like? So there there was our estimate, there was our work and we still relied on subcontractors to round it out. So was it a smoky back room and drinking whiskey and throwing darts or what? I'm sure it wasn't that. What, what did bid day look like in terms of interacting with subcontractors, getting their bids so we could assemble our bid and then ultimately deliver it to where it needed to go?
1: Most of it was, again, uh, pencil and paper telephone this was before fax machines you would um, you would select jobs you were going to bid and we used dodge reports Mm -hmm. mainly and then word of mouth advertisements that you would see but we would carefully select projects and there weren't a lot of them necessarily and competition was still pretty tough Uh, so you have to have a sharp pencil we realized that isn't going to happen on its own. It was very disciplined in terms of steps we would go through advertising or inviting subcontractors and suppliers to, to, to bid us. And then typically bid date, the information would come in slow, right up to the sort of last hour. And there were those subs and suppliers that Took it seriously and provided the information early, but then there were all also those that were trying to manipulate, um, positioning themselves to be low when you went into bedtime at two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, it was hectic. There was, there were absolutely no ever that I remember any kind of celebrating trading before. Or during a bit, mm. a bit. Yep. You had to stay totally sober. Yes. You had to be rested. And often you weren't because you had worked the night before too late. So we would celebrate once we got to be low beer and then then we bring out the whiskey. Yeah. i well, not really, because we didn't drink back
0: then. I think we covered that on the last podcast. <laughs> uh, so uh, were you. Uh, were two or three or four people in a conference room on phones, or was everybody I'll say at their desk working phones and then coming together? So how, how did it, what did bid day look like from people and positions and how that worked?
1: All of the above.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: it, it, um, it would, it would boil down, you know, to the, to try and, and gauge what your success would be with the right kind of profit in the job. And so there would be last minute, somebody pulling this way, somebody pulling that way. There would be uncertainty about some subcontractors. You'd have a low, low bid that you didn't want to use. The the spectrum is as as wide as color of the rainbow.
0: So the seventies was um, venturing into treatment plant work, predicting on a few jobs and then collecting data, continuing to do some building work in all likelihood and continuing to collect data using punch cards and reams of paper and a third party Mm -hmm. to help, uh, help more formalize that process. Uh, and then, uh, and then I'll say then it got to computers, but when, when did computerization come into the uh, into the estimating and job costing process?
1: Well, probably the third decade, which would have been between nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety. Rod Peterson was hired as a technician. We wanted him to be an estimating. He was uh, We didn't have a lot of people in the office, I think when he joined and I can't tell you when he joined his interest soon became computers and he was sort of left alone, there was there still is a resistance. I think on the part of old timers to introduce new technology, we didn't know the promise that 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 high tech um, industry held for us, and so the transition transition was gradual going from doing manual to um, using the systems that were available. And I don't know, you, you must, I mean, the last 20 years, you must have expanded. You know, if you haven't, then there's a reason you haven't. I don't know, yeah. maybe the same reason we didn't expand fast enough. Our competition didn't, I mean, we, we, we were in touch with other contractors through right. MBI and Uh, through friendships or with subcontractors, we knew they all did it sort of the old fashioned way because there was a reluctance to go um, digital.
0: So do you happen to recall uh, when the company purchased its first computer and what it cost and if you could lift it yourself?
1: Well, the first thing, the first thing, this would have been Jim Stecker, give him credit for, uh, Prompting us to buy a piece of equipment. And can't tell you what the brand was, but it had a paper trail, and it enabled us to do all of the assembling at the very last minute. I mean, last hour, yeah. last two hours, and and you were able to. I always had to see a printout, and then put a calculator to it before I would sign off on a bid. I didn't, I'm sorry to say, I didn't trust some of the equipment. And nobody convinced me that I should trust it. That was what's missing inside the company, outside the company. So we bought this piece of equipment and it had a paper trail and Jim Stecker would um, put in the last numbers and and it was spit out a bid I still have to see the tape, look at it, and then yeah, that's our price. Then you know, then then we had PCs. Now everybody has a PC on their desk. It came in very help. help- it became very helpful to have uh, the computers because it, it it was accurate, but you can also make mistakes.
0: Yeah, yeah, you if- I and mean, you can a key punch error can it can go undetected and lead to a lot different conclusion
1: yeah are you gonna have offsetting mistakes which happened once I think yeah so then the 80s we had then transitioned into going from Thompson to story and we've talked about that um, that was a hard switch for me to make but I was an engineer and I wasn't a labor negotiator. So So what we did in the 80s was try to do work in a different way. And so we, we got involved in Green Hills. And it wasn't necessarily a design build, but it was the start of the design build, own, invest. We got selected by the University to get involved in Green Hills. And that was a fun experience. That led us into the construction management. And then that became uh, a job that we did well. And you guys are still doing well. And that also relied a lot on doing the record keeping, estimating um conceptual estimating as accurate as possible and timely. So we spent I think we spent I think we finally grown into adulthood and began to benefit from what we had learned the previous two decades doing buildings and treatment plants.
0: Sure, sure.
1: We became we became known in Ames as a reliable company, uh, someone that you'd want to hire and that has carried on. Obviously, that's how you guys are thriving now, which is good to
0: know. So when you uh, started to investigate computerized estimating, and you mentioned Timberline earlier, and we still use Timberline Sage products today. Mm-hmm. So, were uh, was there really only one choice, and so that's what you went with, or were there a few choices? Uh, so here's, yeah. Do you remember? You remember how we got to tell? I don't
1: you? really remember that detail. A lot of it was left to Rod Peterson, and then uh, your estimating guru now. Um, help me, Mark Cutchin. Yeah, Mark Cutchin. We sort of let them go on their own. And um, I don't know where I was or Dick was in that process. We weren't, we weren't hands-on and we weren't dictating. I think we had confidence that not only confidence in them, but we had little confidence in ourselves (laughs) that we would ever be able to be that high tech. Sure. Mark Kutchen, uh, thank God, um, kind of took on uh, early, before I left, became quite the estimator, and still is. He's in charge of your estimating, right? Yes. More than that?
0: He is, yep. So he must like it. <laughs> he does. He does, and he's good at it, uh, and thankfully, and um, so hence part of the reason for this podcast. So he... Uh, you know, we all inherit what we inherit from our predecessors in terms of the systems that we were given. And then we seek to evolve those systems into uh, into more, just adapt them for uh, the, the world we're dealing with today. So mm-hmm. you need to know that Mark has really honored your level of detail and continued that. And we've had a uh, company initiative for um probably four or five years now to try and simplify our systems.
1: Yeah. I can relate to that and um the um devil us in the detail. One of the things that I spent my last um decade doing was projecting or predicting early on in a in a Process be designed, build, or negotiated was to model. To do a cost model,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that that became very helpful. We started keeping track of what subcontractors were doing and what they were charging. We knew our own work pretty well, and so the advance of the uh, spreadsheet. Uh, Excel, which, where you can go in and change things and manipulate things, do a what if, uh, just became very helpful. You'd have, you'd have your estimate in not as much detail, again, by division, by section, and um, everything would be relatable to a quantity and to some kind of Square foot cost. That uh, you could sit down with an owner, and 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 do um, what if games with different kinds of wall systems, right? Different kinds of structure systems, be it concrete, wood, steel. Yep. Uh, And that helped. That helped um, on a lot of work that we did. guess about time you joined. I don't know if you're still doing that or not. Uh,
0: We are. uh, We are, however, um, uh, uh, this is not pandering to my audience here, but, but I would say you, you have a, you had a unique gift to be able to reconcile that and summarize that into some simpler formats. All of the data we have now, leads us a little bit more down a path of more detailed assumption and detailed quantification to try and come up with that model. So we'll get to a similar place. We'll just, we'll count a lot more between here and there and price a lot more between here and there uh, to, to be able to do that. And, uh, and we always know it's valuable and we, Uh, Our team is really, really good at that. And we always produce something, I think, that is reliable and helpful. And in today's day and age, we probably break more hearts when we do that than almost anything else. Because it can't be that much. This is, oh my gosh, you know, I've talked to so-and-so and and they think they could do it for half of that. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe, but um, time and time again... We have customers that ultimately work with, either work with us and see the initial predictions come to fruition with all the detail and transparency or, or, or companies that, uh, owners that consult with us early and they choose somebody else based on a much different prediction of cost at the end of the day, come back to us at the end and say, yeah, you guys are probably right on that.
1: <laughs> all
0: right, um, great well uh, uh, i want you to know norm this, this is really great so the or, there are many purposes but part of the purpose is telling the story of how we do what we do and when it started and why it matters and sort of bringing that full circle cuz we're still doing it in many we're doing it for many of the same reasons today in many of the same ways today with different tools and technology, but its its value is undeniable. And so having, uh, having some history behind that for our team internally in particular is really great. So you're...
1: Uh, I'll, you- ta- I, I'll take your word for that. Um, and I can only say that I'm happy that you're carrying on, Mike, and with your staff, um, you and uh, Gary, Pat Gary. I hired Pat Gary and I think I had a little bit to do with hiring you.
0: Uh, You did. did. So, um, all right, listen,
1: uh, good luck and uh, tell everybody hello.
0: I shall, I shall, thanks, see ya. So there you have it uh, from Norm's mouth uh, directly. Uh, he's very sheepish about uh, his memory of some of these things, but I think it's right on point uh, to learn that really our estimating system was born out of our desire to understand costs better uh, on our sites to be able to then apply that cost to the next job as it comes around. So while uh, not every detail is fully buttoned up, uh, we'll get some of that from Rod Peterson uh, here in the near future as it relates to the computerized estimating. But I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did uh, to really understand how we got started in these systems and how they still live through us today. While the technology changes and maybe a few of the applications change, the fundamentals don't. We need to understand what it costs for us to do work on sites to be able to accurately and predictably estimate the next job. Uh, Just like uh, we need to do a good job of estimating of what it costs for us to actually do work uh, so that cycle uh, continues and it's part of uh, the foundation and the fundamentals of what makes story go today. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time.